When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. Don't forget that you can also find us over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. You all have made a huge difference in the production of Sorta Awesome in 2017 by showing up to be listener supporters of Sorta Awesome. And we want to just take a minute to say thank you to every single one of you. For all of you awesomes who are listening, if what we do here at Sorta Awesome by sharing our stories, talking about our awesomes of the week, building up our awesome community, if any of that has made a difference for you in 2017, we sure would love for you to join our community of listener supporters in 2018. Don't forget one of the perks of becoming a listener supporter of the show is that occasionally you get early access to episodes before they come out in the regular feed. You also get to listen to all of the exclusive episodes that we have ever created for our listener supporters. And to find out how you can become a supporter of Sorta Awesome, you can go right on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support and get signed up. So this is episode 125. And today I am joined by my lovely co-host, Kelly Gordon. We are going to be talking this week about the idea of pivoting. So yes, summon your thoughts of Ross Geller. I was going to say, please tell me that we're playing that Friends clip at some point uh, yes. in this episode. Pivot! I will pivot. 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 Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Ross Geller in the apartment stairwell with Rachel and Chandler trying to get a couch up the stairs. It's an iconic moment in pop culture, but it plays on an important idea that all of us have to, you know, kind of confront and figure out in our lives. And that's the idea of pivoting towards something or away from something. And we're going to unpack all of that. We're going to talk about what that looks like in our career, in our life work, in our belief system, in our relationships. How does pivoting play out in our lives? We thought this was a perfect time of year to talk about it as we are wrapping up 2017 and getting ready to kick off 2018. But first, Kelly, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week, that moment in the show when we share with you about the books, the TV shows, the podcasts, whatever it is that is making our lives a little bit more awesome this week. Kelly, I can't wait to hear what you have. Oh, I am so excited because I have saved this awesome for the very end of 2017, you guys, because this is something that I think could take you into 2018, just like it did for me this year, and really make your whole year awesome, okay? It is a book I like to read before bed. It is a little 
I would call it a spiritual companion book. I would not call it a devotional. It's more of a daily thoughts and reflections, okay? And it's put together by, it's all writings of Madeline Langle. Oh, perfect. It's called yeah. Glimpses of Grace, and it actually has, you know, an editor who compiled some works. So if you're not familiar, probably you are with Madeline Langle. She was a prolific author. She wrote more than 40 books, fiction and nonfiction. So this little book has a excerpt of her writing for every day of the year. It could be a section of a fiction book that she wrote. It could be a section of a journal entry that she wrote. It could be another sort of a writing that she did that was, you know, a nonfiction, something on spirituality or just big thoughts. She was a very philosophical writer. I'm telling you, her words for me have been the perfect way to end my day. It could be two pages. It could be one paragraph. So it's a very small amount of things to read. And what I like about it is that it isn't practical in the sense of here is, maybe if you're from the Christian tradition, here's a verse, here's a thought, here's a to-do, something that you might need to change. It just is what you need it to be. Mm, that so, sounds yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, you can really enter into it and say, she might be writing about something that exactly applies to your life. You might just get swept up in a little bit of fiction. Everything that she seems to write to me is so evocative and deeply meaningful. It makes me want to quiet myself and say, oh yes, that's right. Life is so beautiful. Even in all of the pain and the richness of it is worth living. So that's what has been really truly like an awesome of the year for me. I have a very difficult time with books that say, here's your reading for the day, not wanting to read ahead <laughs> or just keep going, yes, you know, yes. but this is so good that I have fought the urge most nights anyway, to say, no, I really want to save it. I want to save the next day because I want to savor it once I get there. So again, glimpses of grace, daily thoughts and reflections, all writing by Madeline Engel. Of course, we'll put a link in the show notes. I cannot recommend it any higher. It has been such a good thing for me this year. I really love that, Kelly. Madeline Langle, one of her nonfiction books was an awesome of my life. It literally changed my life. It's her book, Walking on Water. That's what I was going to guess. Yes, that's such a good one. Yep, it is. I love that one. My friend Melissa gave it to me years ago, over a decade ago. It's about the life of the artist mm -hmm. with a Christian kind of framework over it. It genuinely, deeply, profoundly changed my life. It's one of those, like you've, people often ask questions like, what book changed your life? I always point to Walking on Water by Madame Langle. So, right. so great to hear that this little collection of all of her wisdom kind of exists that you can read it throughout the year. Right. And maybe we should say, just because we have lots of different awesomes coming from lots of different faiths, that Madeline Langle definitely comes from the Christian tradition, but she really could speak to anybody who is interested mm -hmm. in growing spiritually. She's almost yes. a mystic of a Christian faith. So really yes. don't let that scare you. She's not a hardline sort of, this is what you have to believe. That's just not how she writes. Her writing yes. is very poetic. So yeah, I do think that anybody could pick it up, just like you said, and, and be profoundly altered. So. So good. What do you have okay. for us this week? What's your awesome? Okay. So my awesome of the week is a TV series that you can now find in its complete existence on Netflix. It's the AMC series Turn. Yes. I feel yes. like I've heard of it, but I can't like place what it is. You've maybe heard of it because I talked about season one way, way, way back on Sort of Awesome in my Awesome of the Week on episode 20, which was how to fit fun into busy lives with Jessica Turner. I talked about we had just watched season one. Well, now all four 
seasons of this series. It's now complete. It's all on Netflix. And just as a reminder, this series is based on the nonfiction book, Washington Spies by Alexander Rose. It's been adapted for TV and it tells the story of the Culper Ring, which was a spy ring, which had a fundamental impact on the outcome of the Revolutionary War. Now, I am not a big history person. I'm really not. And especially Revolutionary War history just feels like a long time ago. I've never really been one to be that into it. But the way that Turn, this TV series, tells the story of the lives of these people has been so fascinating to watch unfold over time. So it talks about the Culper Ring. It follows the lives of Abraham Woodhull, Robert Townsend, Caleb Brewster, Anna Strong, and a spy that was only known as Agent 355 in that time frame, which the show, and I suppose the book, Washington Spies, kind of posits the theory that Agent 355 was actually a woman who was a slave, an African slave here in the colonies. It's so fascinating. So also featured in turn are, of course, we have General George Washington, his staff, including aide-de-camp Alexander Hamilton. The Marquis de Lafayette plays a big role. And from the British side, we meet John Andre, John Graves Simcoe, who is surely familiar to our Canadian listeners out there. He played a significant role in Canadian history from that time frame. We meet Benedict Arnold and follow his, you know, switch from being a, you know, colonist to over to the British Army. So, oh, it's so good. I will tell you. I think this is the perfect time of year to binge a show like Turn because it is something that will kind of get you thinking about things, but also it's, I don't know, there's almost like a, even though it's a spy show, it kind of has like that cozy mystery feel to it. Like you can really just like get under the covers and like just, okay, we're just going to sit down and we're just going to learn some history. Well, and lose yourself in it, right? That's what you want to do. I think this time of year is you just want to escape from normal life. Yes especially maybe if there's all these things to do is say, oh, what I really want to do is just watch a good, really pull me out of my real world. Yes, it will pull you out of your real world. I will give a caveat. Season one is a little bit slow. It lays a lot of groundwork. If you are not familiar with Revolutionary War history, like me, then you may be pulling up Wikipedia every few minutes to be like, no, wait, who is this? No, wait, why is this happening? (laughs) I totally did that. Now, season two really picks up with the character development. Season three is excellent. So many things happen that you're like, what's going to happen? I genuinely was, I had to look up a lot of Wikipedia stuff just for spoilers because I was like, is this person going to die? What's going to happen? Right. Should I get attached to them? I I know. You feel bad when you're like surprised by history, right? (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. Surprised by history. I looked up so many spoilers and so many things would happen. I'd say to Kyle, are we watching? Do you want to know what happens? He's like, stop spoiling this for me. I'd be like, is it a spoiler if it's American history? It's actually probably something that you could have studied when you were in high school. So you've just forgotten. I'm just reminding you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so season four is the one that just dropped on Netflix. It does a fantastic job of bringing together all of these plot lines, all of the intrigue of the spying, the personal relationships the politics of the time, all of it, it all comes together at the Battle of Yorktown. It's amazing. We also, in season four, Hamill fans, fans of Hamilton will love that we finally meet Hercules Mulligan. And he plays a very important role, was a very important spy during the Revolutionary War. And again, Hamill fans 
are all saying Hercules Mulligan right now. So, <laughs> so anyway, again, it's the AMC series turn. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it for your binging enjoyment, especially here in this break time in between uh, the end of 2017 and the beginning of the new year. Okay, so some practical questions. How many seasons are there? How long are the episodes? And kind of, what does the feel like? Could teenagers watch the show? You know, is there any sensitive sort of stuff? I guess it would depend on the teenager. There's definitely violence. Like there's, you know, it's a war show. So there's gun violence. It's, I mean, it's bayonets and, you know, muskets or whatever. But, you know, people get shot and killed. And so that's a thing. The sexual element is small. I mean, like it's there and there are some slightly steamy scenes, but I would not say that that's a prevailing thing. It's not Game of Thrones. Right, right, right. Well, nothing really is. (laughs) Right. It's pretty tame in the grand scope of television these days, especially prestige television like AMC creates. So for teenagers, I would say probably older teenagers, depending on their sensitivities, would probably be okay. Totally fine for adults. So, yeah. Good. And how long, if I'm going to binge this, how many days will I need to set aside? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a little bit. There's four seasons. There's 10 episodes per season. The episodes are, you know, 45 to 50 minutes. So it's doable for sure. Okay. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm putting that at the top of my list. It's a good one. I can't wait to hear your thoughts if you do watch it. So, Just a reminder, every single Friday in our sort of awesome hangout over on Facebook, we open up the floor for all of the awesomes there to share their awesomes of the week. We would love to have you join us there if you're not part of our Facebook community already. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Well, Awesomes, our community is all abuzz with gift questions and gift ideas right now. And we are so thrilled to hear that so many of you are loving giving the gift of StoryWorth. Support for this episode of Sorta Awesome is brought to you by StoryWorth. They are on a mission to bring families together through the power of storytelling. StoryWorth lets you preserve your family's memories. When you give the gift of StoryWorth, family members can pass on treasures to your children and their future families. Here's how it works. When you purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone that you love, each week StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They simply reply to that email with their story, or they can call StoryWorth and record their story over the phone. All the stories are private and they're only shared with the family members that you choose. After a year, those stories are bound in a beautiful keepsake book. We gave the gift of StoryWorth to my mother-in-law earlier this year, and I cannot even begin to tell you how awesome it has been to read some of the stories that she has recorded. I've known her for a very long time, but some of the memories that she has revealed in her StoryWorth answers have blown me away. To give the gift of StoryWorth this holiday season and to get $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com awesome when you subscribe. That's $20 off when you go to StoryWorth.com awesome. Thank you, StoryWorth. Okay, so yes, we keep saying this, but here we are wrapping up 2017. Most of us right now in December are still thinking about the holidays, but some of us, like yours truly, who are obsessive about all things new year and fresh start, (laughs) might be thinking about the ways that life might look a little different in 2018. And sometimes that does mean making a pivot, a choice in your life to move away from what you were doing and towards something else. We've all heard kind of stories of famous pivots with people in their careers 
for example, Ellen DeGeneres famously used to be a paralegal. Can you imagine <gasps> Ellen what? DeGeneres? Yeah, she used to be a paralegal. I did not know that. I thought you were going to say, well, she was an actress and now she has a TV show, you know, something like that. No, no. what? Paralegal? Yes. That's crazy. Can you imagine I did not... she's... No. Yeah, your coworker like completely cutting up while you guys are supposed to be doing legal research. <laughs> that is crazy. Okay, so that's a really big pivot. Really big pivot. Julia Child, again, famously was a CIA intelligence officer before becoming one of the first celebrity chefs in our world. Yes. Here's one I didn't know. Elvis Costello, famous musician, used to be a computer programmer. Okay, so. I totally, I'm just, my mind is being blown right now. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. to hear some of the people. And, you know, everybody has a backstory. Everyone has a backstory. Yes. One of my favorite ones of these that is so inspiring, and I really do think of this woman often, Grandma Moses, the famous American folk artist. Her full name is Anna Mary Robertson Moses. She is a very well-known late folk artist who did not even paint her first canvas until she was in her 80s. For most of her life, she worked on a farm, basically kind of selling potato chips. And she practiced embroidery as her hobby. But then as she got older, her arthritis in her hands was made it to where she couldn't really hold a needle. And so she decided to take up painting and became one of the most, you know, well-known contemporary American artists. I love that story so much. And so we often do think about this concept of pivoting. A lot of times we think about it with our work. And like what we are doing, what we thought we were going to do, what we end up doing, it is a very familiar, almost like a buzzword in the world of startups, because a lot of times you'll hear people who've done startups talking about their first business model was this, it didn't work out, you know, the market dried up or this thing happened, this legal battle happened, whatever. And they had to pivot sort of to plan B. I love this story. Well, okay. First of all, if you all are not listening to NPR's How I Built This podcast it is a fascinating one to check out because it tells the story of like famous brands and businesses that we all know. It kind of does. Like you were saying, Kelly, it tells their backstory. One of the episodes that I love so much is the one about Reddit and the Reddit co-founders, Alexis Ohanian and Steve Huffman, talk about how they wanted to change the world and make it a better place. And so they started off with an idea of making a phone-based sub-sandwich ordering service. <laughs> Okay. Awesome. So if you can see my face right now, I'm doing that thing like, okay, I'm trying really hard to follow right. the line here. Go Why? on. How would that change the world? I don't know, but they had a dream and a vision to build that. <laughs> you got to have a dream. <laughs> That's right. So then they went to the very well-known startup. It's called Y Combinator. And it's where people who are doing startups go and it's like an intensive, almost like a boot camp for startups. And one of the Y Combinator founders kind of pulled them aside and was like, hey, maybe we could build something different here. And so they switched gears completely on their mission and set forth to create the front page of the web. And now we have Reddit. So there's always these fascinating backstories of we thought we were going to do this, but it ended up we're doing this. So Kelly... You know, back just a few episodes ago, Rebecca and I were talking about our college degrees and our work life and how we found ourselves in different jobs. But I know that you have a fascinating backstory yourself, how you got from your, you know, school age to here you are a podcast host. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what pivots have marked the way in your 
sort of work life. Right. Well, I have to say, this is funny because if anybody looks in my little school book, if you guys have a school book that your mom put together for you, I had one that you would write your name in every year and you would write your teacher. It kind of had a fill in the blank sort of a system. In second grade, it says that I want to be a math teacher. Interesting. And people looked at me in high school and was like, I'm sorry, what happened to you? (laughs) Sorry, what? Getting a C in algebra? As a junior? Yes. You know, like, it's funny how life changes. Of course, I think things are expected to change when you're a child all the way through high school. But especially these days, having a high schooler myself, I think that there is a lot of pressure to kind of have it figured out by the time you're 16. Like, what are you doing? Where are you going to go to college? What classes are you taking? You should be taking AP classes or tutoring for that career that you're going to have. You need to get a jump start. So, One of the things that I look back and see is I kind of did know in high school, it was in high school that I started to think that I wanted to go into journalism. I started to work on the school newspaper that opened my eyes. I'd always, you know, enjoyed writing. It wasn't something that I did a ton of thinking I was going to make it into a career. I didn't have grand hopes of writing a book or anything. But when I started to work in at the school newspaper, I thought, well, this is, I think, what I want to do. So, of course, if you know my story here, if you've listened, awesomes. You know that that is what I did. I went to college for journalism. I started working in journalism right after I had a good eight-year career before we had kids. And then I stopped to stay home with them, working at newspapers and in TV stations. And then I would say my pivot is actually coming more now in that I always kind of pictured that once my kids went to school and I had more free time, that I would go back to journalism. I would just go back into the TV station. And what has happened, kind of to my shock over the last couple of years, as I have had some opportunities to be out in the world, I've even called the TV station, one of them here in Minneapolis that I used to work at and say, hey, can I just come in? And, you know, it's been a number of years since I've been in a newsroom. I kind of want to get a feel, see what they were like, see if they had any openings. And I will tell you that over some time I have come to find, and this goes back to the intuitive sort of thing, right? Listening to myself, I've said, I don't think that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I've joked as kind of Kelly 2.0, you know, after you kind of have a chance to reinvent, but I wasn't thinking I was going to reinvent. I kind of thought I have some groundwork laid here. I have some passion. I've stayed current as much as you can when you're at home. And yet when it was time to get back on that merry-go-round, I kind of said, I don't want to sit on that horse. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm kind of doing a pivot right now and I'm pivoting very consciously, but yet I don't exactly know what I'm pivoting to. So here, we're leaving that in a very unsettled way. I'm so sorry, (laughs) Awesomes, if you thought we were going to bring you packages with bows today, we're not (laughs) because I am pivoting in my whole career. And I think it's in a good way, forcing me to look in a broader perspective, cast a wider net, all those things. And I do think just... As you look at the world today, that is what's happening today. If we have awesomes who are in college or just out of college looking for jobs, and I know we do, they would probably tell you, you know, the idea that you're going to go work in one job for the rest of your working days is a fallacy anymore. It's just not that way. Everybody's always reinventing in that sense. So that's been a big pivot for me. What about you? Did you have a big pivot in kind of your work? I do think that probably the pivot, like you talked about, I always thought I would do journalism. That's what my education was in. That's what my groundwork was in. 
I think I did feel that way about teaching and education that I would take some time off. We would have some kids and then I would go back. And I do think it is a matter of like listening to that voice inside. That's like, that was the thing to do then, but it would not be a good fit now. I think, I mean, I do miss a lot of aspects of teaching, but you know, somewhere along the way, just kind of decided like, no, I don't think I am going to, you know, to go further in my work life, I think it's going to have to look different, especially in teaching English. There was a lot of writing. I've talked about this on the show before that I just couldn't imagine because I'm not super great with time management. (laughs) And it was tricky and challenging for me to get all of my grading done, the planning done, All of those things when I was single and had a husband who was away from home at work, like many hours of the week. So I had like a copious amount of free time. I didn't think it was free time back then. Right, right. (laughs) It was just time. time. It was just time. And I struggled then to keep up. And so I just had to kind of get really honest with myself. Like as much as I love the actual being in front of people and teaching and the interactions and all of that part of teaching, that being a classroom teacher was probably going to lead to more friction than it would lead to fulfillment at the end of the day. And that's really good that you were able to be honest with yourself about that, because I think it really has been a huge pivot for me in my 40s, I think, because I kind of thought I was on this path. So to hit that wall a little bit, and to some degree, pulling myself back from hitting the wall, saying, wait a minute, trying to be honest with yourself, say, what do I really want? What does my reality look like? You know, the reality of my reality and not just what I wish my reality looked like, knowing what jobs require of you. I think that it is one of those things that forces you to pivot if you can really listen to yourself and be honest with what you're doing. You can say, wait, I think that I'm going to have to make a change here. What I thought was going to happen just isn't going to work anymore. Right. Yes. That happens. And I think if we just think about the people in our own lives, maybe we might see it in our parents' generation. I think that there's probably some examples of people who took major pivots in their work life. I think it's even more common in our generation to look at our friends and colleagues and coworkers who have come from wildly different backgrounds or who are heading off to do something different. I mean, I've talked about this on the show more than once that my husband used to be a college football coach. And now he co-owns a financial investment firm. So that's a pretty big pivot. Right. Well, Corey, (laughs) my husband, actually only went to two years of college and then moved to California to study marine biology. And so his goal was to establish residency there and then to go back to school. And guess what? He got a job and he started working (laughs) full time and he started to make a great deal of money and there were goals. And all of a sudden he started to hit them all. And so he Mm -hmm. never went back to school. And so yes. he pivoted and he's actually kind of made it work, although he still kind of regrets that he didn't A, go back to school, B, go back into science because that was really where his passion was. But he, even where he is today, doesn't stay in a job for more than two or three years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems like, and his parents who are a little bit older, you know, his dad worked at the same company for his entire career. You know, that was what you did. Like you got a job, you stayed there, you got the plaque and the watch, and then you retired. So they are mystified why Corey keeps bouncing around to them. It looks very restless. You just stay put. Why you keep moving? But it seems like for him, he's always pivoting. Like that's just, even if they're not big pivots, little pivots are the norm now. Yes. 
Yes, yes. definitely. I and it. I will say this too. I actually had this really interesting discussion with some friends and we just decided to say, what did you either A, major in in college or B, think you were going to major in in college? And then B, what did you either graduate with or what did you do? Mm-hmm. And we went around mm-hmm. the table and everybody, everybody had a story about a pivot point at that time of life, yes. which I was kind of trying to find some hope for you know the high schoolers who do feel the pressure to say, look, most of us change. So, you know, there were so many people who said, well, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And so I got all the way to my third year and I started to do in-work in the classroom. And I thought, oh, my word, I really don't like this. It's making me miserable. Meanwhile, I'm helping my roommate with her accounting homework every night and thinking it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. these stories of people who they went for one thing and then ended up doing something profoundly different. And for most of them, it was a really good shift. You know, they just didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what life was going to hand them. And so they were really happy. They stayed open to the possibility of looking for something different in their work life. It was a good example for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, especially for those of us who do have kids or, you know, nieces, nephews, godchildren, whatever, who are in that stage of life to just be able to say, now, hold on, let's be realistic, because let me tell you example after example of how this has worked out in reality. So another area that I do think is so interesting, I love to hear people talk about this, are pivots in belief. Like I used to believe this was true. Then this happened. And I realized that this belief that I used to hold, it didn't serve me well anymore, or I just realized it just flat wasn't true. And so now I believe this. So I was wondering if you have any pivot moments in your beliefs, Kelly, that kind of testify to the fact that it's not just about our work, although that's a huge example that most of us go to in our minds when we think about pivots, but belief-wise, have you had any pivots along the way? Well, I used to believe that to keep chicken from sticking in the pan. You had to move it all the time. And then I learned that that's actually not true. You want it to get a crust underneath. And I pivoted in my belief, but I don't know if that's really the beliefs that you're talking about. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one still. If I cook chicken. If you cook chicken, I know that was not applicable to your life. You're like, theoretically, what you're saying, I would understand if I cook something. I think, obviously, I have to go back to episode 96 of the podcast that you and I did earlier here in 2017, where we did, we talked about our changing beliefs. So when you say, what is a changing belief of yours? I get a big smile on my face because I, I say, what isn't a changing belief of mine right now, Meg? Yeah, It really does feel like in the last two or three years, so much of what I used to believe has really taken a turn. It has changed It has morphed. It has been left by the wayside, even in many ways. And I would say that is not also something that I saw coming. When I was growing up, I am a PK, a pastor's kid. I like just grew up so deeply, deeply in the heart of our local church. You know, I went to Christian schools. I have a Bible degree. You know, I thought I knew, I knew, I knew. Like this stuff was settled. I didn't have to think about it anymore. And I knew a lot. And I mean, I technically, I know a lot, you know, I have a lot of facts, but I had a lot of things that I was like, this is very important to hold to this belief. And as I said in episode 96, some of that, a lot of that has become unimportant to me as I've been undergoing a huge evolution in faith and in spirituality. So yeah, I mean, 
almost everything, I feel like, in a deeply spiritual way, you know, who we are, why we're here, all those things, has really gotten boiled down and has really shifted in me. And I'm so much happier now than I used to be. So it's a good thing, but it's a surprising thing in many ways. And it's a little surprising for people who've had to watch it happen around me. <laughs> That's so good. And that whole episode is just basically mm-hmm. an hour of us kind of talking through what that has looked like through the years for me. A, a huge shift was like being able to separate and pivot away from believing that if you practice this you know, version of Christianity, that that meant politically you had to stand in this line for right. voting or whatever. So that was a pretty major shift. You know, another shift of mine, belief-wise, is I grew up very evangelical Christian. And in the era and part of the country that I grew up in, there was a pervasive belief that people who are Mormon were part of a dangerous cult and that they were out to secretly persuade and convert anyone, if you even had a conversation with them, that you would be targeted. <laughs> I mean, I did, I can't really even, I mean, now it's, I'm thinking about it as like, wow, I can't believe that that is a belief I grew up with. But truly, like, I didn't know anybody who was LDS, Latter-day Saint Church, when I was growing up. And so all I knew is what people around me told me, my family members and people at church and those types of things. And that was a belief that I held until we lived in San Marcos, which is south of Austin in Texas. And I met a really great group of friends who are women who are LDS, who were very deeply involved in the community and put together a community play group based on, you know, they just, a bunch of us that went to library story time faithfully every week, we just became friends. And they were so kind and friendly. And, you know, I was a little bit nervous at first, like, I'm sure I was actually really awkward and was like, I'm a Baptist and I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't make me do anything that I don't want to do. Right. They were probably like, calm down. We just wanted to know if you wanted to go out for coffee. (laughs) So anyway, they were so fun and so warm and so friendly. And they are still, some of them are still friends of mine to this day. But as often is the case, I think, Kelly, when it comes to, our beliefs being challenged and making a pivot in our beliefs. It's actual people who Mm -hmm. come into our lives that create that pivot point. So for me, it was actually meeting some women who were amazing, wonderful Mormon women who never once either secretly or overtly tried to convert me. (laughs) They were just like, we just want to be friends. So um, it was a wonderful experience and getting to know them and having conversations with them helped me to like reorient a lot of the things that I thought I knew about the Mormon beliefs and then being able to be like, okay, okay, now I can move forward from this point with a clearer understanding, with more clarity. So sometimes it's just about being open to people, experiences, those types of things that allow us to really dig in and be open to a pivot point. Right. Yeah. In fact, when you just said that, you made me realize that one of the things, this is kind of insidious, a really secretive sort of pivot point. But I used to believe that if you pivoted, you were somehow falling off the path. If you were open to a change at all, that you might as well give up. So the simple fact that you are pivoting at all, I used to believe meant that you were in some sort of trouble. 
because you should have it figured out. You should know. If you mm-hmm. are changing your mind, it is because you are weak and you some, somehow someone's corrupting you or something's corrupting you. So even just dropping that idea to say, no, life is change. You should be open to new experiences. These people and these things that come into your life have the opportunity to expand your view. That's not a dangerous thing. That's a good thing. It's a growth thing. And so Mm -hmm. looking at pivoting, not as pivoting off the one true path, but pivoting Mm -hmm. to be open to grow. Yes. Even that was like a pivoting sort of a thing for me. Another kind of funny example, I don't even know if this would relate to the belief idea or not, but it's something that we're living out right now. And I think it's something that is showing me that sometimes on the other side of a pivot, there's actually a deeper sense of fullness and a deeper meaning. So sometimes when we talk about pivoting, we might be thinking about like, we're going to leave this behind. But sometimes pivoting is actually moving towards something and like more deeply engaging something. So an example that we are living right now is we decided this year, starting with the beginning of the Advent season, the beginning of the new calendar in the Christian church's liturgical year, that we really wanted to embrace and experience what it's like to live the rhythms of life based on the seasons of the year on the church calendar. So we are for the first time, like we've kind of dabbled in the Advent season before, yeah. <laughs> but this year we are like full out doing it. We're we're not really, we're keeping everything really low key on the Christmas front and, and looking forward to embracing the entire Christmas season that begins on December 25th on the church calendar and doing the 12 days of Christmas between Christmas Day and Epiphany. But for now, we're really moving in the rhythms of the Advent season. And so it's a lot of talk about what it means to long for something and wait for something. And this has been really outstanding as a way of experiencing the faith in that for our kids who have experienced the fullness of Christmas, you know, starting the day after Thanksgiving, which is what we have always done, they're like, man, we don't have our tree up yet. We have minimal decorations out right now. We're slowly adding to it. And so we've really been able to talk about what it means to like really look forward with anticipation and longing and expectation for something that we can't wait to have. And so that has been a really big pivot for us, something that I didn't think that we would do. But what we're finding on the other side of this pivot is in the past, I always felt so guilty because I was like, we don't really genuinely have enough Jesus in our Christmas. It's like a lot of about the presents and the Santa and all of this. I do feel like the spiritual underpinnings of this holiday that we had in the past just kind of celebrated culturally is really coming to life. And I'm so thankful for the pivot because we're finding so much more fullness and so much more meaning on the other side of this. Yes. Yes, that's true. Hey, awesomes. I hate to admit it, but when our family schedule gets super busy, like at the holidays or any time of the year, to be honest, I'm so tempted to head to the closest drive-thru for takeout again. But thankfully, there is one company that is more than happy to save me from my drive-thru habits, Sunbasket. This episode is sponsored by Sunbasket, the meal kit delivery that helps you kick your greasy burgers and fries habit. 
Sunbasket is designed to fit the way families eat today. That means you can choose from meal plans that are paleo, lean and clean, gluten-free, vegetarian. There's a family-style option, which we really love, all created by an award-winning chef. Sunbasket sends you organic, sustainable ingredients that are pre-measured and ready to go. I love that my kids get in the kitchen with me and we cook together. Those meals are ready in around 30 minutes. So to get your family in on the Sunbasket fun, go to sunbasket.com slash sorta today to get $35 off of your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash sorta for $35 off. Sunbasket.com slash sorta. Thank you, Sunbasket. So, okay, another area where sometimes we realize, again, this isn't working, I got to pivot, and that is in our relationships. Sometimes we pivot away from relationship and sometimes we pivot deeper into relationships. So Kelly, I'm just so curious if you can think of examples in your life where relationships have experienced a pivot moment. Well, when I look at relationships, I sometimes think it's more about me pivoting my expectations. Oh, that's so true. Yes. Than pivoting the actual relationship itself. Mm. Because sometimes there's just not a whole lot you can do to actually move the entire ship of that relationship, right? But I can change me. So I was thinking, as we've reflected on this topic, I grew up, this is going to surprise a lot of people. It surprises me, I guess, when I look back on it. But so few people in my real world were divorced or came mm. from divorced homes. Mm -hmm. Almost all of my good friends, their parents were married. In my family, there was no divorce. It was just one of those things that you assume, you know, what as you see as a child, at least, seem like happy marriages. Now, some of those people have gone on to get divorced, you know, but at the time, you just assume like this is what marriage is. You get married. It's good. It is that happily ever after. And then I got married and discovered it isn't easy and it takes a lot of work and it's two broken people being together. And so there was a time that I thought, I don't understand why this isn't working. I had this expectation for this relationship. I thought it was going to look this way and I thought it was settled. So if it's not looking that way, then what do we do? Mm. And really, mm. I think that without some growth, I was kind of locked into a binary, you know, mm -hmm. either or, either it's supposed to be easy or it's not going to work at all. And so I had to grow. Again, this is a lot of deep spiritual work, you guys. We're talking about it so glibly. It was This was years of like sweat and agony and therapy. But at the same time, it was a changing of me and saying, no, this is really what marriage looks like, is it is work, but it's worth it. And there are times that are bad and there are times that are good and it's okay. So mm -hmm. to have to pivot in my expectation of what marriage is, how much work it takes, what it looks like, even that, my sister and I have talked a little bit. My parents are very similar in personality, not identical, but marriage has been easy for them for the most part. My husband and I are very, very different. And so it's never going to be easy. Mm -hmm. But I will say that in the last five years or so, I've come to this really beautiful realization that I actually would prefer at this point to be in a marriage that isn't easy because I have grown so much. There's so much challenging and so much liveliness in our marriage. Not to say that you can't have a challenging or lively relationship if you're similar. I'm just saying this is my experience is that I've said, no, I'm really glad that I stuck it out, that I was allowed I allowed myself, I guess, to grow 
in the expectation that I have of this relationship. And it really did. It changed everything once I allowed that pivot to take place in my heart and mind. And likewise, I think my husband pivoted to what he expected out of marriage, but that's his story. So that's the biggest pivot that I can think of. What about you? I just think that that is such a powerful point. Number one, that it's often about pivoting your own expectation in relationship because truly, and we talk about this a lot on Sorta Awesome, we can only be responsible for our own choices and our own responses to the choices of others. That's so true. Number two, I do think that in long-term relationships, it's often a series of slow pivots over time. You know, just like this happened and we moved away from each other, but then this happened and it brought us back together. And I think that that is the story of long-term relationship in so many ways. And sometimes in friendship, that's how it lives out too. A pivot in relationship for me that I'm experiencing right now is I feel like I've really pivoted away from my entanglement with social media. Mm. And not from a like, oh, I'm wasting too much time on there kind of thing or any of the sort of popular and very solid reasons for moving away from social media involvement. It's something that almost happened really naturally in that I really decided I'm just going to, again, I've talked about essentialism so much on the show this year. (laughs) Talk about a life-changing book. I learned so much from that book about what I say yes to and like examining the repercussions of what you say yes to and that there's trade-off for everything. And so as much as I love, especially as an ENFP personality type who is all about connecting with people, I do love that aspect of social media. I looked at the trade-offs and what being overly entangled with social media was bringing to my life, the repercussions of that. And it was not bringing goodness or growth, honestly, into my life. It was bringing a lot of angst. Mm. It was bringing a lot of spinning out on social media, but then not actually translating that to doing anything, applying it to my own life or taking action in my own life. So I feel like over the course of 2017, and again, this wasn't like one of my resolutions or something I set out to do. It really happened very organically, very naturally. I have really not even been on Twitter. I've limited other social media. Facebook is a place where I am a lot because that's where our awesome hangout community is. And I have a few other smaller private groups that are very meaningful to me. And so I found that I have really, I don't spend as much time in the main feed anymore. The trade-off being, I feel disconnected to friends who really I've only known in the online sphere of friendship. So that's difficult, but I feel like I'm more focused and more intentional in how I'm using social media and it is bringing goodness and it is bringing growth. You know, we have the Hangout community, which I love, and we talk about all kinds of things in there. I cannot tell you all how much I personally, as a human being, have learned from our awesome community and the ways that I've been challenged and the ways I've grown through the conversations that happen there. So I've been really intentional about assessing what am I doing with my time on social media? And that's been a really good pivot for me. I'm very, very grateful for it. So It's interesting how sometimes we pivot you know, we make the decision, we look at our lives and we say, this isn't working. Something needs to give, or it's an intuition that something just doesn't feel right. And so we pivot. And then sometimes life comes up with a big wall in front of us and we have to pivot. We have to say, wait, I can't go any further here. I would 
theoretically keep going down this path, but I am being forced into a pivot. And so this is a pivot that you're choosing. And in some ways, I think both can be Mm -hmm. just as meaningful, but sometimes those ones that we get to choose, I think are probably the ones that maybe have the lasting Mm. impact because there's not maybe as much what if, of course, for ENFPs, there's always (laughs) Always a little bit of what if. Always a little, but at the same time, you're saying, no, this is a decision that I am consciously making. This is an intention that I'm putting forth in my life and believing that it's going to bear good things. And of course, you usually get to see those or you can pivot again. That's right. So speaking of our awesome community, we wanted to hear from you all some pivot points in your life. And so we have collected some of these stories from our awesomes to share with you. So let's listen in on what pivoting has looked like in your lives. Hi, Awesomes. This is Lindsay from Grand Rapids, Michigan. My pivot moment was when I moved from Orlando, Florida to Grand Rapids, Michigan. My husband got a job here after grad school, so we moved 1,200 miles away from all our family and friends. At the same time, I went from being a full-time working mom to a stay-at-home mom. And the biggest pivot was learning to not put my value in my leadership role or my productivity or the title in my email signature. I had to learn that my value is inherent and not the result of what I'm doing. It's still something I'm wrestling with. This story comes from Shannon in Phoenix. She writes, here's my pivot story. Beginning in high school, I did not want to have children. There were big reasons and stupid reasons, but as I got older, it just made sense. I was very ambitious and I did not want to try to balance career and motherhood. I worked hard in high school to get into a good college and I worked hard in college to get into a good law school. While I was in law school, I met the man I'd marry. He thought he'd like to have kids, but he chose me knowing I couldn't commit to the idea. Bless him. Meanwhile, I started experiencing digestive turmoil at increasing frequency. We got married during law school, and my health hit rock bottom after graduation. Long story short, I have a disabling case of irritable bowel syndrome. I haven't worked since law school, and there were a number of years when I gave up driving. It was a very tough stretch. But as I tried different drugs and coping strategies, and it became clear that a high-powered career wasn't in my future, I became able to imagine being a mother. IBS is a daily battle, but I've been a mom for 12 years, which is so wonderful. My kids are amazing, and my life is so rich. I wish it didn't take a disabling illness to make the pivot, but that's my story. And the IPS can go away now. Thank you very much. Thanks, Shannon. Hi, Awesomes. This is Jessie from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And my pivot moment was when I found out I was pregnant, surprise, with my fourth child. I thought we were past the baby stage. Our youngest was three and a half when she was born, and I was getting all ready for him to go to preschool and to have all this time for freelance work. And that has not happened. It's been a struggle. I'm still kind of working through it, but that baby's now 14 months. And of course she is the best thing that has ever happened to our family. Okay, our next one comes from Jennifer, who writes, I work at BNSF Railway and have been lucky to have several really cool and fun jobs going on for 24 years. This year, I moved to another new role that I quickly realized I was not going to flourish in. Everything I was great at, they did not need. Things I hated doing, like reading through contract after contract about technology, things that I knew nothing about, and I knew I had to pivot. It was not easy because of the way changing jobs works, but I worked at it each day with HR, my boss, and looking for people who were looking for a job like mine. And after a couple of months, I moved to a new job. I had to take a pay decrease, but I'm so thrilled to be back to doing something that I love. So my message would be to embrace the pivot and look at what you can learn from it and share with others who are going through something similar. 
Thanks, Jennifer. Hi, this is Kristen, currently in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm going to tell you about my pivot moment. It's not going to sound like a happy story, but I promise there is a good ending. Um, I was a single mother who had just gone through a very difficult pregnancy. I had postpartum, something terrible. I felt very alone. Got a knock at the door. My dad had passed away. I was in town, stayed with my mom for a little while, and found out she had breast cancer. So I basically packed up everything and decided at age 37 that I was going to move back home with my mom and my nine-week-old child. This is the best decision I have ever made. What I found during that very difficult time was strength that I didn't know I had. I found healing, compassion, love, but most of all, I found myself again. I found me. Okay, and this one is from Elizabeth in Tulsa. She writes, my pivot moment is all of 2017. What started as a year full of hope and going back to my career as a therapist turned into a year of grief as I quickly realized this is not the time for that pursuit. I can't take care of my people and pursue my career that I've already put on hold for 10 years at the same time. That realization devastated me and it's taken me all of this year to make peace with it. One of our church's values is we give up things that we love for things that we love even more. And this is that thing for me. I'm still strong, still brave, still hopeful, but it took a major pivot to help me realize that. Thanks, Elizabeth. Hey, Megan friends. Uh, My name is Becky McCoy from Connecticut, and I have two parallel pivot points. The first was when my dad died eight hours after my son was born, and I had to figure out How was I going to live and be a mama and grieve my dad? And I did not handle it well. (laughs) Well, I had a second chance a couple years later. My husband passed away a month before our daughter was born. And I feel like that was a huge culmination of, okay, how am I going to live now? What is my life going to look like? I really need to be intentional with the decisions that I make. I'm an Enneagram one. So like I have this super high need to be super responsible. And that was also really hard because I was afraid of making an irresponsible decision. But it's been three years now since my husband passed away. And I feel like I'm a different person. And it kind of took that huge giant loss. I mean, nobody gets married wanting to be a young widow. But it took that to kind of really examine a lot of things and figure out exactly what I wanted my life to look like and what kind of a person I was going to be. Okay. And this one comes from Jimmy in Wichita. She writes, about 10 years ago, my husband and I were doing campus ministry in Columbus, Ohio. As a result of a couple of overseas trips we took while we were in student ministry, we decided to pursue moving overseas long-term. This move required us to take some graduate level classes, and we decided to pursue that in Wichita, Kansas, since Kansas was home for both of us, and we wanted to be closer to family for a time before moving overseas. Also in the midst of this, we were struggling with infertility and had been for some time. The move overseas would likely mean deciding not to pursue adding a child to our family. Shortly after moving to Wichita, I went to work for a mentoring organization that matches mentors with fatherless children. My husband and I were both matched. Within the first year of my husband's mentoring relationship, we realized that the home life of the seven-year-old boy he was mentoring was even more disruptive than expected. 
and a foster care placement might be in his future. Because of that, we started the training to become foster parents about the same time we had planned to start graduate classes. Shortly after, he was removed from his home and placed with us. And not long after that, his plan was changed from reintegration with his family to adoption. It was at that point that we had a decision to make. Pursuing his adoption would indeed create a pivot for us. For reasons too complex to explain here, adding him to our family would eliminate the overseas option that we were pursuing. We decided his adoption was far more important than our plans. And about a year and a half later, he officially became our son. Fast forward a few years and we added twins to our family through in vitro. A short, very short nine months later, we found out, surprise, we had a bonus baby on the way. When I look at our four amazing kiddos, I cannot imagine our lives if we had failed to pivot. Yet the pivot didn't come without sacrifice. My husband is not doing the work he loves or finds great meaning in, but he is faithfully providing for the family we adore. And even though it is bittersweet when we imagine what life could have been like, we would not change our trajectory one bit. We are exactly where we are supposed to be right now and so thankful for it. Thank you, Jimmy. Hi, I'm Heather Bender from Wilmington, Delaware, and my pivot came when I was 23, single, and very unexpectedly pregnant as a result of a sexual assault. It's a long story that involves a lot of denial, an ensuing mental breakdown, and a car accident that turned an unintended pregnancy into an unintended high-risk pregnancy. I know awesome's good times. So I had to quickly pivot from happy-go-lucky, free-spirited, 20-something, part-time student, full-time legal assistant, and did not just parenthood, but single motherhood as someone who had never even babysat for infants. It was the messiest, scariest moment of my life, but it also showed me that I had more strength and resolve than I ever thought possible. Over the past 20 years, whenever life has gotten tough, and it has, I think about 23-year-old me alone and awake in the middle of the night in that maternity ICU. And then I think about my smart, funny, beautiful 20-year-old daughter away at college. And I know that I can handle absolutely anything. Well, thank you so much to all of you awesomes who shared your stories of Pivot with us. These were so powerful and so inspiring to listen to. We thank you so much for sending in your stories. Okay. So again, Kelly, we have actually talked about doing this episode for a couple of months. I feel like <laughs> it's kind of been yeah, on the docket, yeah, at least. but I'm so glad that we're doing this right now. This is the perfect time. I think at the end of the year, as mm -hmm. people are thinking about what is 2018 going to look like for us? Because again, it's never too late and it's never like, there's always that possibility that you can kind of make a big shift. Now, listen, sometimes like you were saying just a few minutes ago, Sometimes it's tough and like, it's a thing that life does to you. And you are like, you are Ross Geller with your couch in the stairwell, <laughs> trying, you're like screaming pivot at the people around you. And it's just not happening. It's not working. <laughs> sometimes it is very sweaty and ugly, <laughs> the process of pivoting. And then sometimes it is more just like, kind of like a sunrise, like it's just a gradual thing. And it just like, it was dark and now it's light and this just happened. And before I knew it, I was on the other end of it. So do you have any other like closing thoughts as we wrap up 2017 in general and think about what could be on the horizon in 2018? Well, I just think that one of the things when I reflected on pivoting that is so important to remember is we just have to be open to that change. That if you awesomes, maybe like me, had some sort of preconceived expectation or notion that once you got to be an adult, 
whatever that threshold looks like in your life, that then you mostly have it figured out. You know, 80% of you is set and, you know, there's a little wiggle room around the edges, but for the most part, you're done. I think that is a misplaced belief. I don't think that serves us well as we move forward in life, especially into the second half of our life. I think that if you are not changing, you are not growing. Mm -hmm. And if you are not growing, you are stagnating, which could lead to death. So pivot points, while they can be scary, and of course, we're undergoing a pivot point in 2018, even here at Sorta Awesome, it can be scary. Doesn't mean that it's not good. That sometimes, just like I feel like a little bit of a theme here in the last quarter of Sort of Awesome has been listening to your intuition and being okay to try something that you don't exactly know how it's going to turn out. So yeah, that's just, when I look at pivoting, not feeling like you have to have it all figured out, that life is pivoting. It is a series of pivots and it will be okay because you'll find what makes it work. Right. That's great wisdom to finish up this conversation. We do want to hear from all of you awesomes with your thoughts on what it means to pivot in your work life, in your beliefs, in your relationships, or whatever it looks like. So Kelly, remind us where we can find you all around the web. I am at Kelly at Lovewell on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash lovewellblog. Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Okay, and awesomes, this is our last episode before the full holiday season. So we will be off next week, but then catch us at the end of December. We will be back with one last show, a group show to celebrate all things end of the year of 2017. So we'll be off next week, but we'll see you one more time before 2017 wraps up. So thanks so much for listening. Happy holidays to every single one of you, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at pragermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Thank you once again to our sponsors for this episode, StoryWorth and Sunbasket. And details about how to connect with our sponsors are in this week's show notes. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.